You're listening to the Crit Dev Podcast with Matt, JT, and Corey. It's been a long time. There's been a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is Matt, JT, and Corey. Welcome back, guys. We've missed you all. We hope you've missed us as well. Dubious, but you know, we'll take it where we can get it. Yeah. <laughs> it has been quite a while since our last podcast. I think we've all been caught up with everything from family and work and the holidays and just generally being busy. Yeah, geography has kept us apart more than anything else. You've been out on work. Damn, damn it, Matt. You don't need a job. Podcast is life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to quit my job and just do podcasting full time. That works right. Patreon is in our very near future, I think. Uh, yeah. Either way, I think we've all been super busy and really looking forward to getting back to the podcast so we can talk about all the exciting things that have been happening in our favorite game, Warhammer Underworlds. How have you guys been doing? Give them about five seconds to think about it. (laughs) Well, as you've said, we've all been catching up with the holidays and it's I think it's been our first actual get-together where everybody at our local meta has sat down and actually played Underworlds. We had nine out tonight, which is about the average number, but it's been a lot lower than that as people have been going and seeing their friends and family instead of hanging out with their true family, that is, the Crit Death meta. Mm-hmm. But I'm guilty of that as well, and I'm sure JT. Oh, uh, no. In, in true slave fashion i've been out pretty much every week except for the monday before christmas i believe oh yeah that's right now uh but every other monday i've been there been down to two people sometimes but we've been getting games in um well you are the cornerstone of our group so you have to be there <laughs> we can take like vacations no pressure <laughs> you have yeah. to be there though no there, there have been some days where like you know i've shown up when he doesn't or yeah. like you know we'll, we'll all trade off that's how um, it works. Still getting a few games here and there, and uh, ramping into AOS a little bit more. It's been a few years since I tried it out, trying it again. I was going to say, you kicked me in the tush last week. Well, that's because stupid rules at 500 points. Yeah, okay, all right, all right, fair. <laughs> Gaming-wise, that's about it. Online Blood Bowl for me for the rest of the time. <sighs> what faction plan in Blood Bowl? Uh, I've got a couple leagues going right now. Uh, my main teams are Chaos and Dark Elves. Dark Elves makes me think of uh, Daughter, Daughters of Cain. Hmm. Up at the end of the season. Hmm. We don't know it's the end of the season, do we? Oh, yeah, that's true. We don't know exactly it, when. It could be the very next one. We don't know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, not the very next one. Yeah. No. Right. Apologies for my phrasing. But brings us to kind of like uh, just the rundown what we're going to be talking about tonight. We, uh, you know, everything that we normally talk about. Plus, we're going to be hitting on the updated far list. Uh, Hrothgorn's Man Trappers, the new warband coming out going to uh, talk a little bit about Warhammer Underworlds Online and uh, just a little bit of feedback from you guys. And then at the very end, some really big news we want to share with you guys. So please stay tuned for that. It's really exciting and we're super happy for it. So pay attention. But yeah, in the meantime, uh, let's touch a little bit on community development. We have wrapped up our ladder campaign which is uh, a runoff of the uh, ladder campaign that's suggested in the back of the rules book in any of the most recent seasons. I think like Nightfall, Beastgrave, maybe Shadespire too. Can't really remember that. I don't yeah. think Shadespire had a ladder campaign in yeah. it. But, but we kind of ran our own little version of that. It was, it was semi-successful. I think people got excited for it. It was really tough to actually execute it. The rules made it sound really simple, but it was not that simple. Oh, and I think our attempt at timing also threw a wrench in things because it was the holidays, both mm-hmm. Thanksgiving here in the U.S. and Christmas. Um, kind of through, we had a six-week-ish run of the campaign, and that was two of the weeks right there. So that definitely kind of threw people off. Yeah. And then the fact that Matt won it while being absent half the time probably didn't <laughs> leave a good taste in some folks' mouth. Yeah, it was some learning points. I think the fact that you can take it at the very last moment is not really ideal because yeah. even it, I even though I won I felt it, pretty dirty it didn't reward <laughs> consistent play it, yeah. re- it rewarded the spike play yeah it rewarded showing up and beating whoever is at that number one spot at the last minute which is pretty you know feels cheesy yeah <laughs> sniping the win but mm-hmm. as as the person who you sniped to take it from I, I don't really care. It was hey, fun. Man. It was fun. It was, a just, fun of, it was a fun league. You could have just rolled more crit deaths and it would have been fun. I could have, but I didn't. 
And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Either way, it was still fun. So something to take into consideration for the future. All right. Other than that, any other uh, big stuff going on? I know we've been tracking players here and there and stuff like that. Um, you know, I talked to one guy tonight that had the Shadespire starter pack that hadn't played it in forever and was talking about coming back out. Um, somebody named Adam. So hopefully we'll see more of him in the future. But how about you guys? Here in a new around the community? We have... We had a couple of people who voiced interest in Giga, and I was like, oh yeah, great, just come out on Monday nights. And they haven't yet. They may eventually. I'm, I'm not, you know, no harm, no foul. Yeah, I think... So right now, at, the, at our main store, we've got the AOS starter box set um, campaign going. Yeah. I think that should be our next target audience. I know some of them like to play Warcry on the side and stuff. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I know some of them have picked up some of the Underworld's uh, kits for their Sigmar armies. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think as that starts to wind down, I know right now they've got games they want to get in every week and things like that. Yeah. But I think maybe we can get some more blood in that way. I was so. going to say, both of us are in that start collecting box league anyway, yeah. so it's something we're like... As we start to get opponents across the table, there may be a little bit of uh, surreptitious uh, yeah. sniping, if you will. Well, and I mean, if we were the dastardly type, Corey and I could get an AOS game in in the middle of the tables of AOS, and then as soon as it wraps up, just maybe plop out some Underworlds. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, sh and show off the lightning quick electric gameplay. Yeah. Speaking of community development, I've been uh, staying active myself in uh, other aspects of the community, i.e. Uh, the online stuff, uh, which is Vassal. Which, I was going to uh, say, you've been much more active in the Vassal community than either JT or I combined. It has to do because I travel so much for work, so I get my games from where, where I can. And then also, just playing people from all around the world is super fun. Because uh, you get to learn other play styles, you get to experience other metas, so to speak, and you get to meet some really interesting people. This past uh, week, I played uh, a game with a with an awesome individual. For right now, I can't really remember his handle name, um, but he was really fun. He was he's actually up in Antarctica. Oh, he's up there for work <laughs> at oh, the crap. moment. So I was gonna say, how's the connection up there? It was Stable? fine. It's probably better than the temperature is. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, you know, hat off, uh, hats off to him for, you know, staying strong up there and still playing the game when he can. But it's through Vassal and, and other uh, means online that we're able to stay commu uh, connected to the bigger community, and that's a lot of fun. So that's part of my community development. Yeah. Well, speaking of communities, we should talk about the biggest community gathering that just happened. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you're talking about the Grand Not, not our community, yeah. Not our community. I'm saying the, the community. The UK. Like, capital the UK. T, capital C. Before we get into that, though, let's touch on something that greatly affects that gathering, ah, which is yes. the updated FAR list. Yes. Forsaken and Restricted list, uh, which everyone knows is, you know, pinnacle as far as, like, the meta goes. Absolutely. What have you say about that? Um, justified. We got yeah. the biggest restrictions were on temporary victory and scrum, which were absolutely necessary. And transfixing stare as well is pretty bad. Transfixing stare too. Mm -hmm. um, although the the conversation around that really only sprung up in like what the past couple of months. Yeah. Like two months, I want to say. People really started latching onto the idea of transfixing stare being really good and. Yeah. Because for a while it wasn't being played much. Yeah, I think it's because we're seeing a new aggro meta that is not Molog. Yeah. So it doesn't have range two all the time. Yes. It shuts down aggro and particularly shuts down uh, range one aggro. Exactly. Yeah. Just Which is already kind of suffering as it is. Yeah. It's really hard to run range one aggro right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Magors. Yeah. Uh, Iron souls. Yeah. You know orcs. You know all the meta stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, on the Forsaken side, I was definitely sad to see Keep the Guessing Go, yeah. go um, as a person who utilized it a lot in my different warbands, as well as for the diversity of the game. I think it spiced it up. Yeah. Um, Sepulchral Guard are very sad to see it go, for example. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that that one got hit because of the complexity of it yeah. more than the abuse. But I do hope we see some form of that type of objective come back. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely need some type of, not so much passive, but just some type of uh, objective that still allows you to play the game 
and be rewarded for it without having to necessarily kill our fires, without having to necessarily hold objectives. Just another means to get that glory, so it changes up the different avenues that you can gain glory. It, it like you said, spices up. So we need something like that. Maybe not keep them guessing because the FAQ for that was basically a, a, no, a novella. Yeah, yeah. But we need something similar. I'm pretty and sure you could reword it. You could even reword keep them guessing to being uh if you performed different actions during each of your activations in the past turn score keep them guessing 2.0 yeah well so on that note i hope that the developers either hear this or on their own get really cheeky with it and it's like it's not really a secret that's the name of the objective <laughs> yeah, that'd be great it's like keep them guessing Te telegraphed <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like <laughs> telegraphed strategy is, is the name of the game here yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be so great. Wow. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the other one that kind of was a nail in a coffin was the uh, Tome of Vitality. Tome yeah, um, I'm actually kind of sad to see that go, mainly because I played it in, in my, my Banshees list. But in reality, it's one of those things where like, yeah, plus one wounds are important. And... Even the designers acknowledged that that wasn't the reason they were restricting it. They were restricting it to really stick the nail in the coffin of the tome strategy. Which, to that end, they could have targeted any other tome. <laughs> any other tome that wasn't seeing play in any other deck, and it would have been fine. You could well, have done, like, the thing is also that people were using Tome of, Vita of Vitality as uh, the poor man's uh, sudden growth. Right? They were using it That's as a means right. to still plus up on wounds without having to take a restricted slot. Which is great. And so, so restricting it still makes people have but to pay for the great extra Great Fortitude's wounds. not restricted. Yeah. I right, well, Great Fortitude's also in the, the core set. I mean, we're not going to see anything on the core set restricted. <laughs> but, but like you said, so it's kind of a, um, a double-edged sword. It, it hits yeah. both the, the, the Acolytes of the Catafran build, but then yeah. also makes people have to really pay to keep their fighters alive longer, which it feels like to me the game designers are trying to, again, push this narrative of... Get in there and actually kill someone. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. sit back and try to, you know, protect your fighters. Like, no, go in there, roll dice, have fun. Mm -hmm. Which I, I agree with. I like that. Well, if that were the case, they should make range one aggro better. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if, if that were the case, we wouldn't be looking at the top 16 that we saw on Saturday. It's true. Yeah, it's a work in progress. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're, we're saying this, but you know, a year ago we were complaining about hold objective not being a legitimate this strategy. Is true. So, this you know, is true. It's, hey, it's, it's, it's going to be a pendulum. It's of, swinging. Uh, I have not been complaining about hold objective being strong. I've actually said I prefer that to be strong to the other ones. Yeah, I think it's that's true. actually fun. Yeah. I know but, you, you prefer a more chess like strategy yeah, anyway. But so with that said, though. Temporary victory is now restricted, which I do agree with. That God, we saw already. that coming a mile away. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, had to be. That was just way too. It's 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 just as powerful as uh, escalation without as much uh, investment in it. But if it was a you score are, immediate. It wasn't even escalation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. you are a certain warbands like thorns, just beat the hell out of that objective. One activation. Don't interact with your opponent whatsoever. Two glory. That's yeah. that's too powerful. Yeah. And then immediately redraw a new objective mm -hmm. on top of that. Yep. And you're and halfway to combination strike. Yep. While we're talking about that, we should also talk about Scrum, which wound up on that same yep. restriction bracket. Also, we saw that coming. Yeah. Again, saw that coming my way for the same exact reason. You know, for yep. the same exact warband, I could do it in the same exact activation. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just them. With some of the new boards, um, yep. there were very good setups where there were two starting a break, another starting, you drop an objective in that break, and you've got a one move, you're, you've got a scrum already, and you're sitting on your first objective. Yeah. Or if you're Gits, you could do that and just... Yeah, scurry. You could sneeze and not even <laughs> not even take an activation and just like... Right. <laughs> there, there's the one board, which I can't remember what it's called right now. It was the opposite side of the Molten Shard Pit, yeah. and where it has the three adjacent starting hexes. Yeah. They score mm -hmm. scrum off the very first activation without moving any fighters. Yeah. Which I'm not holding anything against Gits. They need some help, you know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yeah. But still, you know, it kind of goes to show how strong that card was. Yeah. Yeah, the one that I think, and I'm guilty of using myself even in my latest decks, um, that didn't get hit that maybe should have gone under consideration was Survival Instincts. Yeah, agree. Yeah, that would 100% be put on there in the future. But yeah. I think they didn't put it on there this time because we still have to flesh out the Hunter Quarry uh, uh, mechanic. It's possible that as the season progresses, Corey will be yeah. more of a downturn, you know, more of a, a, a liability. So therefore, actually, won't be as strong. So, 
I now caught up to what you said. I thought you were talking about Corey for a second there. I was like, oh, damn. Oh, that's <laughs> harsh. No, I was talking about Corey. Yeah, Corey specifically. You have to see how it's best for restrict him. Oh, God. All right. It's not the first time I've heard that, but okay. Corey. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got some thoughts about Corey later on in the show, too. Yeah, I got some thoughts about Corey, too. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, no. <laughs> Help. Help me. I do think that it would be really interesting to see a upgrade later on in the season that is like when you play it, uh, choose ensnare or um, or cleave, and then you gain that, or both ensnare and cleave, and you gain that against quarry. So, for example, you could be, yeah. uh, you could have survival instincts, and then this upgrade says, "What survival instincts?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you actually get punished for taking it because all of a sudden you're a quarry, and you, you know, only have crits at your defense now. <laughs> Crit this. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can definitely see that happening. The only downside, I think, is that the trend they've set so far is quarry targeting cards have been restricted to hunters, and Season 1 and 2 are missing that right now. Right, and I can definitely foresee Season 4 completely foregoing the hunter keyword or only having one or two warbands with it, and then... (laughs) Just pouring a beer. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. That's what we're about, right? Slotting <laughs> beer. Sitting around, talking about the game we love, drinking some brews. Yep. No. Oh, that I was, more than I was just uh, <laughs> back to the thoughts. Well, okay. So here's something, though. Is that the Hunter Quarry thing. Much akin to how the wizard, uh, how magic was such a big theme in Night Vault, and we've barely had any of it so far in Beastgrave. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see in the next expansion having essentially another Vanguard chamber yeah, sure. type scenario where we should have frustrators with the hunter keyword, but we don't because it's well, dumb. Do we have a, a card right now that makes a, hunt, uh, a fighter there's hunter one, just yes. outright? There, yeah. There's yeah. like one or two. There's a one universe that doesn't Yeah, but it. you're a hunter. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, again, it's just it's too early to really say. Yeah. I know everyone keeps oh, saying is. this left and right, but we are only halfway through the season. We're not even halfway through yeah, the season. Yeah, I was going to say, we've done two out of the six reveals, yeah. right? so four out of ten total. Well, we have four warbands. There's four more to come. So we're halfway uh, through. Yeah, well... Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, never mind. You're right. I'm right in that logic, yeah. I think so. And so, it's just, it's just too, it's still it's too right. early. It's too it's early. Right. And uh, Ripos. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, so we're still only halfway through. So, there's still so much more to come. It's yeah. too early to know. Yeah. But either way, I'm looking forward to see how that mechanic flushes out. But before we move on to other things, uh, aggressive defense was also forsaken. That was, we kind of also saw that coming as well. I was a little shocked that it happened so soon, but. um, I think it it had lived a long life. I I thought they were going to let it rotate. I didn't. It was so weird with the with the reaction windows and stuff. Yeah. It was it literally had its own like tiny little like like we had sliver. A very long conversation so, about yeah. that. It has yeah. multiple. It had multiple benefits for the user. Yeah. One was obviously the attack. Yeah. But the denial of that window was also huge. Also, you can't be driven back. Yeah, and can't be driven back. You can't be driven back, and we've seen a lot of tanky fighters that can hit hard. Yeah. So it kind of to the one range one warbands aren't aggroing very well. Yeah. It pretty much would nail their coffin sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the one warband that really really hurt from losing aggressive defense, Molog. Yeah. And I know oh, this because I was playing Molog for a little bit because I was like, oh, Molog's actually a lot more balanced now. Like, I'll give him a try. You know, I I, I like to do the thing where I play a stuff that's still strong but not meta because i like to you know pick around things that are kind of like floating up there at the top mullet was one of them and uh, losing aggressive defense after the latest far list <laughs> i pretty much just like all right goodbye mullet <laughs> like, i put you back in the drawer like you're no longer viable well, I was gonna well, say, at this most recent grand clash do we have any Molog? there was yes. one Molog, there was one Molog. and yep. he did horribly wow that's <laughs> two favorite factions with those you did not replace. yeah <laughs> Molog and the uh, well wild hunt yeah. Uh, didn't well, they did all right, but Reavers were not there. With, well, we'll talk about Mars later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah um, as far as why it went away, why it, before rotation, all the damage mitigating cards, so reduce damage by one, only take one damage type things, plus aggressive defense, made it way too powerful. Yeah. Okay. The biggest thing that's on this far list that I personally am very happy about 
rebound. <laughs> <laughs> right, that got restricted. May it be put in a drawer somewhere in a box and just forgotten Dude. about because it will never find its place in a deck again. It's going to make its way into some tournament deck where I'm going to play you, Matt. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just going to whip out rebound in the middle of that tournament you're going to be like, I'm, I'm sure it will. There's, there's one coming up. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Hey, I mean, two-thirds of the time it's Although, not going to work. Just remember that. I don't know if uh, it's worth rebounding a Far Strider's one damage shot yeah, at Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Far Striders are the hidden meta gems, all right? They are meta. You, you have the math it. to back it up. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, Thanks, Jonathan. So, Thanks. Yeah, so rebound be gone. Um, love it, hate it. Uh, mostly hate it, um, but some people loved it. I don't know, whatever. That's you. But it was a very controversial card, and I think it being restricted finally puts it where it needs to be, which is you can take it, it swings games very, very strongly. Not always, but it also is just such a negative play experience, and that, I'm that just glad dreaded to see it. Uh, acronym NPE. It was good too. I mean, I'll give it. I'll give it no credit. Uh, just the f- no negative player in- experience. experience. Oh, there you go. I'll give it credit that some people took it just for the fear it put in people's hearts, right? You throw yeah. it down in game one, and now someone for the rest of the next, for the rest of the match, they're gonna be oh, like, yeah. oh man, they might rebound me if I make this big attack. It, it was very, very strong, and I think it was worthy to be put on a restricted list just because yeah. of the power yeah. it held. Not even taking into consideration the other things, yeah. just the power it held. So, yeah, whatever. No? Good. Good riddance. <laughs> You're not sour at all. Not at all. No, no, no salt. Nah. Yeah, there's no salt here. There's lots of salt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that brings us on to the thing that we've been uh, kind of hopping around this whole time. Yeah. The UK Grand Clash. 139 players. Christ. That's the biggest event so far? I think so. Uh, was there 140 no. somewhere? Yeah, what? I was going to say, I want to yeah. say one of the, I think there was a one of the mainland one. Europe ones was bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I do probably. want to say there was a bigger one. The camera specifically yeah. which one, though. Dear listener, if you know of a bigger g- event than 139 players, please reach out to us and let us know so that we can make a correction. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So we saw a whole lot about the current state of the meta right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A ton. I blame Corey. All Corey. No, oh, what? Not really. what? It was what? your battle cast. <laughs> I actually, after looking at some of the lists, I highly doubt they listened to that. <laughs> but maybe they saw that they're like, "Oh, this guy didn't know what he's talking about." Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's either <laughs> so either they listened to the battle cast and and realized that I was full of uh, baloney, or uh, they didn't listen to it and came to their own conclusions. Um, but I am given warm fuzzies at the fact that Lady Harrow's Mournflight was so strongly represented at the Grand Clash. Yeah, it was strongly represented. And did well. They did well, uh, for sure. They didn't win, but they did well. Well, they did well. Yeah, they were strong. For anyone listening out there uh, that doesn't know, Corey was featured on the Battlecast, which is a uh, a YouTube channel uh, run by Justin Lenigan, and he had Corey on there to talk about his uh, his success with the Banshees, a.k.a. Uh, Lady Harrow's Mourn Flight. And uh, I'm pretty sure that, that was the catalyst for lots of people not taking his deck and taking something <laughs> else. Because <laughs> I realized that I was 100% reliant on luck and yeah. no skill was involved whatsoever and I'm a fraud and... Yeah. But, but like you guys said, it is very indicative of where the current meta is. That even... Here's the thing. The top 16 warbands. Six of them were Thorns, Thorns of the Brat Queen. Four of them were Leia Harrow's Mournflight. Three of them, Curse Breakers. Two, Grimwatch. One, Thunderix Profiteers. That's a lot of green plastic. Yeah. yeah. A lot That's of ghosts. A lot of green plastic. A lot plastic. of floaty dead things. A lot of just dead <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, I was going to say, not necessarily floaty, but just dead stuff. 1306. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, and dead stuff. Yeah, just we were, we were chatting oh, before the podcast. If we were going to look at this from a lore perspective, I think Nagash is definitely winning the Soul War. Mm. And the, the Stormcast are um, <clears throat> not doing so hard. Hey, let's not give Stormcast the underdog title, all right? I don't care what. <laughs> I, I hate them just as much as Rebound. All I'm saying is two thirds of, or two, sorry, three fourths of the, the warbands are not, not doing great right now. So, yeah, JT. Yeah. Oh, no, just the overall dynamics of that. Um, Will of Power did a good breakdown of a lot of the data overall, top 16, 
uh, win rates, all kinds of great stuff. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I've been pouring over it myself. And it just reveals where we are. So the two non-represented warbands were um, Godsworn and Reavers. Yeah. Um, no one brought them to a 130-man event. Yeah. No one brought Reavers. There were, I think, four Iron Skulls players. Iron Skulls? Like, yeah. Like Orcish? Yes. Yeah. Others. Okay, so I, I actually... Okay, I think they're in a good spot. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're going to be winning any Grand Clashes anytime soon, but I don't think they're as terrible as everyone gives them... The Maybe, for. but just like going by the numbers, to have zero of those two warbands is a killer. And one of them was late season two. Yeah. Yeah. So granted, the only person to really make them work is currently sitting in this room. So no, that's not true. there's there's some other people outside this room that made them work. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm being facetious. Well give me a moment, because I I believe there's only one work player at this thing. I got I'm pouring over the are you pulling up willpower right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm looking at it at the moment. Okay. You guys will have to bear with me. All right, so, well, Matt, Matt digs through that, though. Um, but, yeah, so the Grand Clash, top 16, 10 were floaty dead things, two were rotty, hallucinating things. Bretonians, thank you. <laughs> well, so my whole point to bring that up, or you kind of touch on that, was that even with the latest far list, Thorns and Grimwatch are still top tier. Yeah. yeah. However you classify that top tier, wherever you label it as, they are in a league of their own and everyone else is playing catch up to them and the stats back it up yeah it's pretty clear to me yeah we have math <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting for me to see what happens to briar queen after season two rotates how dependent they are on the universals from that kit yeah um but banshees because they aren't tied to a season necessarily they seem like they're going to be solid yeah. i got it iron skulls boys two of them two okay two of there them you go. Hey, Two of them, all right? It's more than chosen axes. One true. sepulchral guard. My boys! <laughs> my my clackety bone boys! If you uh, don't know, if, for, if you're listening and you somehow haven't figured it out, sepulchral guard were my first love that I took to AC, ATC and placed very well with. <laughs> the balls on you to take sepulchral guard to ATC. I mean, keys are back. Keys are back, baby! <laughs> hey, dust for the dust god. Yeah, for real. <laughs> There was two Steelhearts players. Add off to them. Yeah. Know, for staying true to old school. They probably I've just always liked Steelhearts. It's one of the ones I've always considered going back to. Yeah. I mean, Iron Souls are just Steelhearts. No, but... Steelhearts have their spot. Um, I'd say Steelhearts are better than Iron Souls. Mm, debatable. <laughs> there was... Let's throw it on the table. There was one... Chosen Axis player there. Yeah. yeah. One Chosen Axis player. That wasn't Zach Newcomb. <laughs> so I don't know who it, it was. It was Zach Newcomb <laughs> was performing a ritual in the dead of night. He had like cheap gold paint that he that he bought from the dollar store. And you just see him tracing sigils upon the wall of his garage, chanting some eldritch uh, chant. And then some poor British man gets possessed by the malevolent spirit of Zach Newcomb and in his fervor goes I gotta play Chosen X's so one I love that you just went through that entire thing uh, two I'm never gonna forgive you and pardon me Zach but I now have Zach in his garage in the middle of the night dressed as a fire slayer stuck in my head forever I can see that, no, can see that. <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> Zach, we love you. Just kidding, man. We gotta do is like, okay, so if we ever do YouTube or anything like that, we gotta convince him to do a skit where that happens. <laughs> where, where that's just like his, his thing. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. okay. But here we go. So the top 16, obviously. Like four in the morning, some Brit guy goes, the Urgold beckons. <laughs> We just can't let this go, can we? No, I won't. I will not. <laughs> okay, so top 16 of the uh, latest UK Grand Clash. Ten of those were ghosty ghosts, right? It was super spooky up there. Two uh, were Grimwash, so 12, like you said, were dead things. Um, three Curse Breakers, obviously, one Thundrix. But the final two, well, the final four that we came down to was uh, Lady Heroes Morn Flight. Mm-hmm. Versus the Grim Watch, yep. which was uh, John Wynn Reese. Mm -hmm. right? He was playing Lay Heroes. Sandro Atunias, who was playing um, Grim Watch. And then the other semifinal, 
you had Thomas Comboy, who was playing uh, Thorns of the Bride Queen, and uh, Frederick uh, Humke, I want to say. Sorry if I mispronounced the name, but I believe that's how you pronounce it. Who was the uh, the German player who ran the German Grand Skirmish back in November and had fantastic numbers come out to that event. Yeah. So that was really cool. I'm really impressed. Yeah. But those guys were in the final. So you basically had the four top tier war bands all featured there, which I think is pretty telling, right? I think good players are going to actually be uh, attracted to the best war bands because they want to win. You know, it's a very competitive game, so naturally. Um, so I think it was very fitting that those four were in the semifinal. And of that semifinal, you had uh, Frederick. He won his match against Thomas Conboy in a very close match that I watched on, um, on the Twitch live stream. And then also um, uh, Sandro, who beat John Wynne Reese uh, impressively uh, with his Grimwatch, which led to the final between Frederick and uh, Sandro. And the final victor was the Grimwatch. Sandro Tunes, congratulations for winning uh, the UK Grand Clash in January 2020. Um, you are the, uh, the third player in... in in most recent months to win a huge event for the game. Uh, we had Michael Carlin with Grimwatch, and then uh, another player win the Grand Skirmish with Grimwatch, and now yourself with the Grimwatch. So can we all say Grimwatch are top tier now? <laughs> hey. Grimwatch are top tier. And uh, yeah, I guess so, they're trying yeah. to stay in the game like we were talking about. They've been out for two-ish months. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, three-ish months. October to now. So average of one big event per month so far from them. Yeah. And the rate we have big events, that's kind of spooky. <laughs> well, not as spooky as Thorns, but yeah, pretty spooky. Pretty spooky. But yeah, and like you guys said, uh, Jonathan Davis Well Power has a lot of great data to support all this stuff, so check that out if you want a bigger breakdown of it. What do you guys think of this? What do you guys think uh, about the current state of the game? The one thing, before we go into full thoughts on the state of the game, that I wish, and I know nobody has the data for it yet, but that at least Jonathan could get his hands on, uh, is the full deck list to do a card analysis as well, because uh, I think that would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but state of the game, um, I am, I'm a little concerned, um, but I mean, we mentioned earlier that we're only, we're early in the season. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little concerned about the power levels of a few warbands versus the field. So I have some thoughts about that, um, mainly because of the card pool that we currently have at our disposal leans heavily towards warbands that can cheat out multiple movements with a single activation. Um, currently, the only two warbands that can do that reliably are Grimwatch and Thorns of the Briar Queen. Now, before we say anything, well, yes, my my, my 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 sons, <laughs> my spoopy boys can do that as well. But Not to counteract, game. they have a, a movement of like what three? Yeah. No, you played them most. Yeah, it's it, it's they are they very much embody the get off my lawn mentality, but they don't employ the I'm gonna go on your lawn now mentality that both Grimwatch and Thorns of the Briar Queen can do so. Well, they have to get to your lawn first, which is really difficult for them. It's really hard to get on your lawn. <laughs> we have to cross the street. <laughs> we don't look both ways. <laughs> they resurrect on your board. Like, yeah. It's not like the rats that get resurrect anywhere. Yeah. Or it's... the Grimwatch that are just like, hey, I'm going to resurrect in this corner, nope, that corner, nope, right here in this lethal hex. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Or, you know, Thorns who don't resurrect at all. But who needs to? Yeah, when you have an activation that moves, what, six? Yeah. Levels? Yeah, uh, six, five. 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 Five, yeah, five, and it doesn't move. Uh, it doesn't remove. The, the one who does the moving. Or, um, you can have charge and still be pushed. Yeah. So yeah. you can have four miles that have charge, Varclav, and still push all four of them. Yeah. If they're all I do think out. Thorns yeah. would be way less good if they moved like the Sepulchral Guard. Yeah. Just two at a time? No, I'm just saying no, they all make move actions. They all make move actions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the push, th the blocking the push through block Texas wasn't oh. quite enough to slow them down. Well, I think yeah. it's fine that because they don't resurrect. I just think that the uh, Everhang should have been counted as a chain rasp. I think those four little minions should be chain rasp. Yeah, yeah. The Everhang should be like That's a fair. its own little ghost. Yeah, I think yeah. that with Grimwatch, uh, Valerique, and um, Griswell are not crit ghouls. Yeah, yeah, or the Harriers. 
Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, mechanically speaking. Yeah. It's just a little, a, a little, little tangent. The Harriers are the most annoying fighter I've found. Yeah. I remember the first time I fought against Grimwatch, I did a two damage attack. I think I was playing Wild Hunt at the time. Charged <laughs> in, did two damage. I'm like, cool, I scored this, I scored this. And the other player's like, uh, no, they got three wounds. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just push them that lethal hex. They're like, eh, they uh, ignore lethal hexes. <laughs> I was like, well, what the hell, man? <laughs> what is this crap? Yeah. All right. Yeah, a lot of people don't even bother with them in the games yeah. I play with them, mm -hmm. uh, which is especially fun when you pull out Bag of Dicks. Bag of yeah. Dicks. Bag of Dicks. And you put it on the Harriers, because they're not doing anything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> very true. If you front load them, they can be very difficult to kill. <laughs> Earthing so. Stone. Put, put Earthing Stone on them and then run them onto an objective. Just piss everyone. Well, you kind of screw. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, no, I mean, I think the meta is relatively healthy, but there is a very significant imbalance at the top. Yes. Significant imbalance. Definitely our, imbalance. Significant imbalance. Ow. Our local meta is pretty healthy in terms of variety. Yes. Right. Uh, that's partially because we do a little bit of self-correcting. Yeah. We, we don't look and go like, oh, I guess we're all playing Grimwatch today. Well, or I've been we're playing all playing Far Striders just because yeah. I feel like playing Far Striders. Excuse Strider. me, you're playing Far Striders well, thank you. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't go that far. Whoa. Whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know. You haven't played me. I was watching the game. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, so yeah, our like local group and so yeah, we, we, we try to keep it fun and stuff like that. We're not all playing for, for keeps. Uh, you know, we're not these, these crit hungry mongrels at the top like they are over in the UK. Ignore the podcast title. Just, <clears throat> just kidding, guys. Yeah, cough, cough. But um, yeah, we try to keep it fun. But when you're in a 139 man event, like, and you want to win, like, you know, if we go to Adepticon, which is very pos possible, you and I, Corey, if we go to Adepticon, which is in March here in the United States, like, I'll, I'll bring up competitive warband. Yeah. You know? I, and I have no, no issue with that, but looking at the breakdown of, attend, of warband by attendee, I think that shows that, yes, that is going to be the general mindset going to that type of event. And look at the breakdown, and it tells you all you need to know about the current state of the two warband. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Yeah, the stats talk they speak for themselves. If you look at uh, the Well of Power article on it, it is clear that Thorns are dominant right now. And Grimwatch, even though they won the event, I still think that on any given day, um, Thorns probably beat them six out of ten times. So you're saying they're not top tier? They're top tier, but they're just slightly behind Thorns, I say. And really a lot of it comes down to the action economy. Yeah. I think just the consistency that Thorns can score glory is just insane. The only thing that keeps Grimwatch in the conversation is the fact that they have two uh, temporary victories, yeah. right? They have the, the, the faction and the name of the king. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, they'd easily be below them. Yeah, if temporary victory wasn't around, we'd actually see well, Grimwatch. Yeah, Grimwatch I think, yeah. Temporary victory is going to be interesting to watch what it happens to, considering yeah. how fast it got restricted. I wouldn't... I wouldn't be. It wouldn't be out of the question to see a Forsaken so in, the next, I, in the next three months. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it three months. Let's see how aggro plays out. If aggro gets some boost, which there are some great aggro cards, they're in faction. If you look at Wild Hunt, that's a perfect example, um, and other warbands too. They have great in faction aggro cards. If we see things like those become universal, I think it'd be balanced out. Yeah. But right now, um, hold objective. Flex aggro is probably the way to go. Mm -hmm. That is meta. Okay. Yeah. On that note, GW, please. Oh my God. Champion, uh, Champions of Dreadfiend was so good, and I love the idea of giving pre existing models warband cards. Do the other two boxes. There's We can get Castigators, which will actually might be good in a Age of Sigmar game for once. Please. What are Castigators? They're, they are grenade launching. Uh, far striders on steroids with a griffhound. They're essentially ranged uh, magors in uh, in. Are they stormcast? Storm yeah, they're stormcast. Yeah, storm I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other hand, you have I don't even know what the undead versions are called, but they're essentially like skaven ghosts. They're, they're the, the little guys with the little sticky sticks. 
that are going scaven ghosts. I never thought of them as scaven ghosts. They are they are scaven ghosts. Okay, I know the ones you're talking about, and I can't remember them. Yeah. So um, if you are clued into AOS at all, when Soul Wars came out, they put out four easy to build boxes. They put out a box of sequiturs, a box of Mirrenmore and Banshees, a box of Castigators, and a box of whatever the heck name I'm forgetting for Undead Legions of Nagash. Um, we've gotten the sequiturs and banshees as our as our two warbands, and we're missing two more. Grim Gas Reapers, Grim or the Great Glaive Wraith Stalkers. Glaive Wraith Stalkers, that's okay. the one. Cool. So that brings us on to uh, the next topic, which is Warhammer Underworlds Online. So we are going to take a step back in time to uh, a simpler time, really. <laughs> a happier time. Call it Shadespire gets their way. <laughs> back in the day when it was just a couple warbands running around, no bar list, no FAQs. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. We just hit things with sticks. <laughs> we it did. Was, it was the Wild West. You charge was... in there, you throw some dice, and hope you get a kill. We had yet to discover fire. You ran supremacy in a three-man warband, damn it! <laughs> it's true, you did. I wow, ran, you ran, ran supremacy in a, th a three-man warband, and it was good. I ran conquest and denial. <laughs> you know what? We did. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, we did. We ran denial and uh, what, what was what was denial and no, it wasn't conquest. It was one other one. Uh, I don't know. I remember this conquest is bold. Bold cap? No, not bold caps. That's the new one. No, the it was conquest and denial. It was be have all your guys in your opponent's territory and have none, no opponents in your yeah. room. Yeah, I ran that in orcs. Yeah, <laughs> there's the one where it was like a bold capture, right? Bold yeah, capture where one, your yeah. leader is holding objective in an end, end phase. Yeah, yeah, it was like conquest in that one. But anyways, um, plant a standard. Yeah, plant a standard. There, there we go. go. That's, that that go. was Nightbolt. No, I'm sorry, that was leaders. That's okay. leaders. That was leaders. Yeah. But why are we bringing this up? The whole fact that we're bringing this up is because we're about to go back in time, and uh, it's through the Underworlds, Warhammer Underworlds online game, which the uh, pre-release is about to drop yep. here. Early access is going to start access. in one week from now. Yeah. Yes. One week from the time of this recording. Well, by the time that people are listening to us, we'll probably already be released. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be playing it, and you'll be listening to this uh, podcast, and you'll be like, hey, hey, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> Yep. So we have Magor's Fiends, Sealheart's Champions, um, the Ogres, Orcs. The Orcs. 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 Yeah. yeah. Iron Skulls. Iron Skulls Boys. And some Polko Guard. Yes. I'm very jazzed about these four warbands being our representative for the game because they're they're very unique in their playstyle. Yeah. Kinda wish we got Far Striders, but you know what? They'll come. They'll come. They'll come. Yeah, they'll, they'll, come. they'll come. I'm actually really pleased with where steel sky has been going with it there are there's room for improvement and since then they've definitely like acknowledged our various concerns so whether or not they actually apply it in time for early access remains to be seen but i've got a lot of like i think it's gonna be in a good spot yeah i'm i'm, I'm optimistic about it um i'm worried about the game at release as far as their ability to host the tidal wave that's going to come because we have a very healthy online community right now between Vassal and Tabletop Simulator um, and so I think both of those communities are going to latch onto it at least for the early access period um, and I want to see how well they can hold up to that initial barrage and then also as far as content goes because this is I mean they've been working on it for a while um, it got announced last year but right now it's going to be the first four warbands from Shadespire. Yes. Well, not the very first four warbands because Reavers were part of those very first four. Yeah. yeah. And that's no. Place with one yeah. But but this is Shadespire only in yeah. in rules and warbands. And how fast are we going to catch up to where the game is now? Cause yeah. That's actually something that Steel Sky's been holding very close to the chest is the release schedule. Yeah. Well, yeah. they haven't been. They might have been holding close to their chest, but GW spoiled it at one point. Oh, did they? What did they say? In one of the early interviews, I believe, um, there was allusion to the fact that one of their possible distribution methods could be codes in warband boxes. Yeah, I think that's oh. what they were ultimately going to work their way up to. Yeah. But in terms of DLC yeah. warbands, I think what they might end up doing is doing mini seasons. So, like, we're getting four warbands in 
you know, the client, the early access client, yep. we might get four more warbands in three months, yeah. for example, and then another four warbands in another three months, yeah. um, because these warbands will take time to get into the you game. You don't think they would do DLC where it's like, you know, four or five bucks per warband or something like that? They might. Uh, That's one way like to do month. it. Um, the, the newer model is more of the, the uh, expansion pass type yeah. thing where... It's not, it's, my, my concern is if they do it once a month, I don't think a month is enough time to properly add each warband to the game. Uh, by spacing it out in three months time with, you know, a couple warbands, you can actually develop them, you know, in tandem um, and then bundle them up together. Now, I can't speak for Steel Sky, I don't know what their load is like, but, you know, it'd be very interesting to see how they decide to address the issue of asynchronous versions of Underworlds. You know, you've got the, the Steel Sky meta and you've got the uh, paper meta. So we'll see how that goes. But ultimately, I do want to see them do the buy the physical warband, get the digital one in the box, because that is a very, very good idea. One, one of the big things right now, not, I mean, I know it's kind of you know, risking it, uh, throwing this out there, just because the Vassal and TTS communities are very strong and uh, Warhammer Underworlds Online coming into the scene could possibly uh, cause GW to put out a cease and desist or something like that that would stop those communities, which would be terrible because the communities are great for, for the overall community. But those games being current with, with the game at the moment is, is super huge because people can get on there, they can play the current game with other people from around the world it's a huge capability that if they took that away and they said, hey, Warhammer Underworlds Online is the only way you can do online gaming through here um, and you have to go back in time, you know, it's just, it would skew everything a lot and it'd be pretty There's There's a fair chance that they could do that, but we have to see where their licensing versus Steel Sky's control over the game begins and ends uh, because it is ultimately a licensed game that is being developed by Steel Sky. So... I don't know how much control they have over, like, the digital aspect. Well, I'm not, I, so when we were having this conversation previously, I wasn't alluding to Skill, Steel Side putting out the cease and desist. I'm talking about GW. Yeah. The company that is known for blatantly pursuing any type of copyright, um, from the color ultramarine blue all the way to arms sold by a third-party caster. Well... That's actually changed a bit. It, it has. It's changed under current leadership quite a bit, and they've been a little more lenient. But they, I uh, know, I wouldn't say that. They've been a little bit smarter. They renamed their entire paint line yeah. to copyright it all. Right. And things like that. So yeah. that they did what they should have done in the first place. Sure, but that that doesn't mean they've gotten more lenient about it in That's other fair. places. They That's just fair. buttoned it up in-house. Well, let's put it to you this way. Why haven't they done it yet? Why uh, haven't they already? Because there hasn't been an alternative. Why would that stop them? Because any interest in the game is better than no interest in the game. And when they can control the financial income of that interest, then it behooves them. Can they, though? They're just paying a licensing fee. Or they're just collecting licensing fees. I'm as far sure as it know. is percentage-based. It's not flat mm. fee. Maybe. We don't know. We're not finance people. Yeah, I was like, well, time will tell. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, though... I personally am really excited for it. I know it's a step backwards and in, you know into like a little time capsule of the game, but I still think that's really cool. It's really neat. It incentivizes you to play the old school war bands, and I think that's neat. Yeah, that's exactly. Fun. So I'm looking um, forward to it. I can say, as somebody who played the the early access, they're going definitely for a Magic Arena type feel, which did a very good job at distilling down the essence of Magic the Gathering into an, a very accessible digital platform. And if they follow that model, then uh, Warhammer Underworlds Online will be very successful as well. As far as pairing the online and the tabletop versions together, hmm. I am slightly worried about the initial release and the initial, however they make them available, Warbands, because those are going to be the ones that are out of production on tabletop. That's true. So as far as gaining tabletop players from the online game, it might be a little tough given this yeah. initial window. So you're talking about the fact that they're in the online game, they're going to have Shadespire Warbands, and in the real game, Shadespire is going to be very difficult to acquire. obtain. Yeah. 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 Well, it goes against the release schedule. If they do a every 
two, three months, we're going to drop four warbands or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll catch up. Uh, no, they will catch up. But as far as all the press right now about this is going about about this game, the PC game article, there's things like that. So there's interest in the online game, which generally stirs interest in the tabletop game. Yeah. But when they don't correlate one to one, what's that impact going to be? Yeah. It might not be big. It yeah, might you might be... have a couple of people that are like, "Hey, I'm going to try this game out," and they're like. Oh well, I can't really do anything else with this but play it online. And yeah. It's not really that fun, whatever. Yeah. And they drop. And it. I that, mean, I don't think that's going to be a majority of cases, but it's going to be those same people. They're the, those same number of cases that I've been working. I've been sitting in a GW store playing a game, and somebody walks in asking for Xbox games. I walked into Games Workshop. They got uh, Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but how about Star Wars League? Oh wait, wrong. wrong in the company. city walk, in the city walk store, that happened so many times. Really? Yeah, I, it, I mean, it hit double digits in the few years I spent there. Really? Yeah. Wow. It is a very common misconception, at least in that well, area. In regards to the, to Warhammer uh, Underworlds Online, I think you will see a boost in the overall game, but it'll be a small boost. It won't be. Well, that's fair. You're not going to be like all of a sudden attracting double digits or oh, sorry, double no. uh, double percentage digits yeah like like 50 percent 20 percent whatever it is i think it's going to be more incremental uh it's going to be more gradual um mm-hmm. but if they can if they are consistent with their with their uh release schedule and they they pump out new war bands and dlc or whatever it is um i think they will see that increase eventually and i think though they're, they're going to be, do a pretty good job of at least attracting the current players and a couple new players uh initially so i'm looking forward to see how they progress great cool all right so that brings us uh, kind of into the, the backstretch of uh, the podcast. I want to talk a little bit about uh, community feedback. Um, you know, we haven't really gotten a whole lot of feedback from uh, viewers in the sense of sending us in uh, deck lists and stuff like that. We had a little bit of it uh, before the new year, and that was really awesome. Um, we haven't really had so, so much of it since the new year. And I think a lot of it is just because holidays. Yeah. People get busy. But I encourage all of our listeners out there. Uh, we love hearing from you. We love talking to you. Hit us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Uh, hit us up on any, I know I'm on Va- uh, you know, Vassal. I play in the Vassal League. Uh, you know, a lot of us are on Discord. Um, what other avenues can people talk to us on, GT? Uh, those are the big ones we have yeah. right now, I think. We don't Discord, have- Vassal, Discord, Facebook. Facebook. The big ones, yeah. Yeah, and definitely hit us up with any ideas you have, comments, feedback. Uh, if you have um, decks and stuff like that that you want us to play out, I love trying out decks, and I know we like playing those decks and give you guys feedback on that. Do that, we welcome it. Uh, shout outs and thank yous. Uh, myself, I got the Ready for Action podcast, they are based out of the UK. Uh, it's a couple individuals I like to think of. They are like our forefathers in the sense that they are another group of individuals that are good friends. They love the game. They sit around, talk about it. That's essentially what we are here over in the States. So I want to give a shout out to them. They're doing great work and uh, they're really fun. You guys got anybody? Did we have a revolution to spin ourselves free of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Sorry, guys. I, I do apologize. No, that's a sore subject sometimes. <laughs> There's also the Chatting Crit podcast. Which again is based out of the UK, JT. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey man, you're the one who's pushing this anti-UK narrative. I'm not pushing anti-anything. <laughs> I was making a colonial joke. <laughs> uh, lighthearted jest. That's what we, uh, that's what we call it over here. Yes. The crit, the chatting crit podcast with Tom Bond, Michael Carlin. Uh, they just started that up. It's a mini series right now. Where they're talking about competitive meta gaming how to win grand clashes things of that such uh it's really really good it's a great resource you guys listen to it yet i have not no i'll have to check it out it's actually really good i hope they come to podbean or uh, itunes soon because it is very good and they you deserve, find it? Uh, they post it to the facebook groups yeah hmm. um yeah so they have a i can't remember what actual uh medium they use to broadcast on but yeah they have it out there and it's really good check it out if you can find it um but it is very informative and uh i like it a lot great on that upcoming events we've got adepticon coming up adepticon oh wow that's on um march 25th and 26th for the singles event and the 26th and 27th for team is that is that right or is that 27th and 28th uh, no, 27th, 28th, sorry. All right, yeah. So 25th, 26th is a singles event. 27th, 
28th team event. And Corey, uh, you and I are looking to go to that. Yeah. Um, you know, fingers crossed that the, our schedules and everything work out for that. But as of right now, they do. We're definitely going to the singles event. Hopefully going to the team event. Yeah. But I don't know about now, you, we'll, we'll see how you our schedules work ditch, out. You might, you might ditch me. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see how our schedules work out. If, you know, we can find tickets that take us, that fly us in on the 25th and out on the 29th or even late 28th, why not? I think it's going to be a super fun event. Oh, it's, it's going to be, be fun either way. It's going to be the biggest event here in the United States so far. Last be... year they had 100 people. <laughs> 100. <laughs> around y'all. Around these here parts. That's, that's a lot of, of that's a lot of nerds. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God help. <laughs> and even bigger than Adepticon, we've got the Grand Scuffle. The yes. grandest of scuffles. Ah, the Grand Scuffle is an event that CritDef itself is sponsoring. It's our first Grand Skirmish here in Georgia. Yep. Dude, I'm stoked. Yep. This is great. April 4th, 2020, Atlanta, Georgia, United States. Come to the Grand Scuffle if you will be around. If not, make yourself be around because it is going to be an absolute blast and we're looking forward I've to it. I've got a $20 bill for whoever can stuff John Wynn Reese into a cannon and comically shoot him over the Atlantic <laughs> into Georgia. <laughs> And I got a bar tab that's ready to welcome anyone's going to come in from out of town. I will buy you guys some beers. Let's come on. So which one's more likely? Are we going to get John Winry shot out of a cannon or are we going to get Matt to buy half of Europe to, drinks? To spend like a uh, hundred plus dollars on a bar tab? <laughs> I'd say the latter. Yeah, if, probably the latter. If you, if you add an extra thousand on it for, for half of Europe, well, I think we're good. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if John Winry actually came in from the UK, all right, I'll spend, I'll spend two two uh, uh rounds on him <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah no so uh, april 4th we'll be running a we're aiming for a six round tournament it's really depend on um how many folks show up we're going to use as many swiss rounds as needed up to six uh for a single unbeaten team uh player sorry and then also on the following sunday if you want to hang out relax unwind a little bit we're also going to be running an arena mortis tournament yes the very next day april 5th yep. so saturday the grand skirmish uh the sunday very next day the arena mortis event yep yeah uh two days one ticket um so you buy one ticket you get entry to either and or both days um, there is a plethora of lodging options around for anybody looking to travel in town that's not close enough for a day drive. Um, I put some up into our Facebook event post. Um, you can go to the event. We should probably throw a link up with this podcast. Um, and also, if you want to register ahead of time for the event, which would be greatly beneficial for me trying to organize and count heads, um, you can call Gigabytes Cafe to reserve a ticket. You can also go to gigabytescafe.com and uh, purchase a ticket online. Um, so headcount will be huge in determining what we are able to do. We will have an official Grand Skirmish kit from GW. We will also be creating some uh, custom prizes as well, including Crit Def merch and some Quarry inner workings that are yet to be announced, I think. Yet to be announced until we iron out more of the details. One, I'll tell you what, once they're actually confirmed to be in production, then... Okay, perfect. Yeah. Next episode. We'll Next update. episode, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there are more prizes that I'm currently working my dark magics with many various <laughs> programs for, um, for the viewer or for the listeners at home Corey is currently imaginary fondling something in front of his face and i don't it's, understand it's something it. magically magically oriented i don't know what he's doing it's a little man. fabrication magic imagine kind of little sparks you know like <laughs> inspiration sparks um long and short of it i'm working on something cool but i don't want to tell you guys what it is until I have it, basically have it in my hands so that, you know, we can confirm that, yes, it is a real object. Um, but yeah, yeah, cool, cool yeah. stuff on the horizon. And, April 4th, and, April 4th. Atlanta, Georgia. Hell yes. Come on down. And just as a cap to all that, I want to say thank you to Gigabytes Cafe, GW, for reaching out to us and wanting to uh, sponsor this event. And to you, JT, for actually putting the legwork in to get this whole thing even running before even GW even reached up to us, man. You do a great job and I really appreciate it myself and on behalf of everyone else as part of our community, thank you. Yes. Well, thank you guys. 
definitely all right guys that leads us to the very end of our podcast it's been a blast and great to talk with you guys again <sighs> here's to a really eventful 2020 we're looking forward to what the rest of the game has to offer and we're looking forward to putting out episodes a little more regularly hopefully yeah and I, th I think we're gonna have a uh, even more casual episode than usual coming up sometime in this winter yes <laughs> so keep tuned for that one it, it should be a blast yeah. keep the kids away all right, guys. I, I'm not gonna have my finger hovering over the sensor button on that one. <laughs> It'll be like a like a little side episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, although for regular listeners, you know that that's usually not the case anyway, because I have to manually go through and censor everything, and sometimes I may miss a thing or two. You know how it is. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for being part of our group, uh, the community. You guys are awesome. Signing off, this is Matt. JT. And Corey. Thank you so much, everybody.